Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Everybody say breakthroughs and turnarounds. I'm going to receive the morning tithes and offerings up front. Mark chapter 12. No one's under any obligation to give, obviously. Uh, so don't uh, they just want your money. No one has to give anything. If you notice, I'm not holding a revolver. This is called a free will offering. Mark chapter 12. Before I get, I, I forget and the, and the service gets away from me. Dr. Jerry Savelle will be at our church, uh, 107 Patton Drive. We meet here on Sunday mornings. And then all other activities take place at 107 Patton Drive, the church that I was hoping we'd be in for 10 years or so that we outgrew in five months. So we'll be there Tuesday night with Dr. Jerry Savelle. There are certain people the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews of whom this world is not worthy. And I know this sounds like high praise, but Dr. Savelle's in his mid-70s. He's at the top of his game, and he is a great preacher and teacher of the word. And uh, we don't have any bums. Sorry, Monday night. Monday night, November 14th, 7 p.m. And uh, I would do everything in my power to make it there. And if you already have plans, I would cancel plans with those people and make it there. They've canceled on you before. It's easy to do. One text message away. And uh, you will not regret going there. He, He carries. Anybody I bring in will never be in to fill a pulpit or whatever. We don't have Monday night church anyway. Dr. Savelle is a great man of God. As you can hear, our children's ministry starts today. So if you have kids, uh, we don't, it's not just bounce house. We have the building. The building has the permits and everything. Now it's open. And um, you, you can bring your children and they'll be ministered to. That's where my wife is right now, allegedly. <laughs> Monday night, 7 p.m. Well, I'm glad you flashed that on the screen that it's Monday because I wouldn't have been there. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Who's a King James Bible or New King James up front? Let's swap. Take mine. I got it. You look like the type of person, Jeannie, that when I, if I don't hold this right, there's going to be like three letters to your grandchildren that fall out or whatever. (laughs) Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. That's what I wanted to get to because they don't translate it right in the New Living Translation. Jesus sat by the treasury during offering time. Imagine me. First of all, it wasn't even his meeting. Because he wasn't a rabbi of a synagogue. So at offering time, he sat up by the buckets or the box and watched how people put money in. Not how much, though he saw that, because that's how he was going to know the lady had two mites. But how, what it meant to them when you look at it in the original language. Jesus watched to see how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrant so he called his disciples to himself and said assuredly i say to you this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury 
For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had. She put in her whole livelihood. One more time. Mark 12, 44. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. The Bible says in the Psalms, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if you keep reading the Bible, the Bible says the earth is the Lord, so he actually also owns the hills that the cattle are on. Nothing I give in the offering today can have value to God from God's perspective because value is set by scarcity. That's why diamonds have value. Well, there's other reasons too, but one of the reasons diamonds have value is, is they're, they're not, well, let's, let's just put it this way. It's controlled. There's not, if, even if there is an abundance of diamonds on the earth, you're going to have trouble getting an abundance of diamonds. So things that, that are scarce have value. Things that there's tons of have no value. Even during the last two years, when all that artificial money was injected into the economy, it didn't have value. People started to make things to spend money on, like NFTs. And then as soon as that dried up, that market dried up because it was just a function of abundance. So God has abundance of everything. He's El Shaddai. If I give him $500,000 as a seed today, he owns all the silver and he owns all the gold. So what connotates a valuable offering to God or a precious offering to God? It's not how much it is from his perspective. It's how much it is from your perspective. When I was growing up, they used this scripture to make it sound like there was something like holy about giving two pennies in an offering. They missed the whole point. This woman has given more than all these others. For they have given some out of their abundance. But she has given out of her poverty, out of the little that she had. God measures the value of what you sow based on its value to you. I can tell you, some of you have heard the story before. When I had $76 in the bank, more or less, I used to never check because it was too depressing. When the thing on the ATM came up and said, would you like to see your balance? I would hit no so hard it would crack the screen. I don't want to see it. But I knew I had more or less $72, in there. And I'm listening to this guy preach in Virginia Beach. And I didn't know any of the stuff I'm teaching to you. I was actually hearing it for the first time. I had been taught against what they call prosperity. Which there is actually no way to crack this Bible open and not see that God is a God not of scarcity and lack. God is a God of abundance. I said God's a God of abundance. I am El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. It was the disciples that told Jesus, send everybody back because we don't have enough food to, to feed all these people. But Jesus didn't. He sat him down in groups of 50 or 100, took five loaves of fish and two bread. Two, uh, sorry, five loaves of, there's not any such thing as five loaves of, of fish. Five loaves of bread and two fish, blessed it and break it, and everybody ate until full, and there were 12 baskets left over. Actually, when there were 4,000 men, there were seven baskets left over. When there were 5,000 men, there were 12 baskets left over. The more there was, the more there was left over. That's how God operates. There's no shortage. I've had to put my 
heart where my mouth is because the easy thing when this church started growing like it has explosively would be to pull back. You know, we budgeted $7 million of, sorry, yeah, $7 million of expenses this year. Well, no, nobody planned on the church going to, to six, 700 people a Sunday. You have to get bigger sound system. We had to keep adding pieces to the sound. At one point, we were renting sound for $30,000 a week, just the sound system. So expenses go from $7 million projected to $12 million projected. Our best year ever was $7.1 million coming into the ministry. So if someone would have told me that at the board meeting, that actually uh, we projected seven, but actually you're going to have to have 12 just to break even, a million dollars a month. I, w- I used to preach 46 weeks a year, almost every night and in the daytime, and have 200,000 come in for the year. It's impossible. But I've had to learn that this is not my thing. If anyone asks you, Jonathan Shuttlesworth is not the head of this church. Jesus Christ is the head of Revival Today Church. And because he's the head, the head of a thing is in charge of its operation. The servant just has to do what he's told. So if in the last days it's God's will for churches to bloom and grow and there be rapid growth, as much as in my flesh when we outgrow that building, the, the thing, well, let's, let's kind of like cut back on outreaches. You know, you subconsciously would just keep it at 400 people, 450 people. And people say, well, what do you want, a big church? How big a church does that pastor want? No, the question is, how many souls in Pittsburgh are you content to go to hell? We have people sitting here that were not here January, February, March, April, or May. They came after. They were on their way to hell. They've shared their testimonies. They were in major trouble with no way out. And Jesus changed their whole life. That's not the end of those people. There are millions of people within 50 miles of here that are on their way to hell, that are miserable. Every day is just an endurance thing. And the only way to set them free is by the glorious light that comes from the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not about, because trust me, I would be happy to be at 107 Patton with 350 people the rest of my life. The churches I grew up in, I was, this has to be God. My, my grandfather was a much better pastor than me. Much it's not even close. And it hovered around 400, 450, 350. I served under Dr. Samuel Bambara in Boston. He was an awesome, earned doctorate, and a great pastor, and great with people. No weakness. No weakness in his pastoral ministry. If you, if you put a gun to my head and made me criticize him about something, there's nothing to criticize. He was an Five star, and that church up in Boston was 220, 180. That was normal. Most of us grew up in churches like that. They're great churches, 300. Basically, they had the same attendance when you were 25 that they had when they were 55. So, to me, the growth of this church is not, see, I know I'm going to start doing seminars on how to be a better pastor. No. To me, it's a sign. It's a sign of what. God wants done on the earth quickly because the end is near. Don't forget about what happened in 2020, 2021, and first part of this year. You could see how close we are to those ridiculous sounding events in the book of Revelation that even me, like in 2018, when I was preaching on it, there'd be something in the back of my mind going, come on, man. You have to take a mark in your hand 
to buy or sell. And then when they started 12 months ago, you're going to have to get something injected in your body. There's going to be passport systems to let you into grocery stores and restaurants and to go to work. And if you don't get the thing injected in your body, you can't do it. And you think, well, turns out maybe God knew what he was talking about. It's a sign. I'm not saying the vaccine's the mark of the beast. It's not. But you can see the framework for it being set up. Can you say amen? So knowing how close we are to the return of Christ. And if you're new here, Jesus didn't just get born in a manger like we're going to celebrate. Everybody loves baby Jesus because he couldn't say anything or bother anybody. Just giggle. But he grew up. And he died on the cross. And he was buried in the tomb. And three days later, he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the power of the devil. And he rose with all power in his hand. In Acts chapter 1 verse 11. And it wasn't done there. Acts 1 11. As he was blessing the disciples. Gravity lost its hold on him. And he started to ascend into heaven. The disciples were straining their eyes to see him. And two white robed men appeared. And said ye men of Jerusalem. Why do you stand here gazing into the sky? For one day. Just as you saw him go, he will return. Jesus is coming back. All these demon-possessed dictators that are all obsessed with Jerusalem. That's why. Because that's going to be God's habitation. That's going to be where Christ reigns. A new Jerusalem. The government will rest upon his shoulders. So what do you do until that day happens? Go get a bomb shelter in northern Saskatchewan and dehydrated milk and rice, and some AK-47s, and wait for the end? No. Until I come back, this gospel must be preached to all nations as a witness. Get busy telling people that I'm coming back. Build churches. How come Dr. Fauci never had any edicts for Buddhist temples or Hindu temples, all the church, don't sing, don't take communion, don't meet. Because Satan knew what was coming. Same way he tried to kill all the babies in Egypt because he knew Moses was coming. Same way he tried to kill all the boys in Bethlehem because he knew Jesus was coming. Satan knows that before Christ comes back, I'm talking like now, it will be an age of explosive church growth all over the United States. He tried to shut it down, but the devil did what he does best. He failed because Jesus said, I will build my church. I, not all try to build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I've said this since we started the church. There's no Presbyterian heaven. There's no Roman Catholic heaven. There's no Greek Orthodox heaven. Christian or not Christian. Are you a Christian? I'm Catholic. What does that mean? Catholic is a word for universal. You either know Christ or you don't know Christ. There'll be Catholics in heaven. There'll be Presbyterians in heaven. Don't let those labels divide you. This is a Christian church. What kind of church is that? A Christian church that believes the Bible. I think it's a cult. No, I'm not going to live with you. I don't even like living with me. But I'm stuck with me. As soon as a church gets aggressive, soul winning and praying for people, they're a cult. No, you're actually against the Christian faith if you don't follow the first command. 
Who takes a light? Who lets this power change them and hides it under a bushel and doesn't tell anybody? If people are starving to death and you know where there's an endless supply of food and you don't tell anybody, you're a wicked person. Who can get changed by this glorious power and keep it to themselves? No, Jesus said, Jesus, go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Not invite them, compel them. Because there's too much room in my house. Can you say amen? What does this have to do with an offering? I'm asking you, what does this have to do with an offering? I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> why I'm talking about this. When you understand how important that is, and then you decide like that woman did. Think about it. People hated Jesus' guts when he was alive, enough that they killed him. If you thought he was the Messiah, you were banned from every synagogue in the nation. That's why when that blind guy got healed in John chapter 9, they came to ask his parents, is this your son? They said, he's old enough, ask him. They didn't want any trouble from the miracle. Talk to him. We, we want to keep our lives the way it is. People hated Jesus. People were neutral about Jesus. Then some people gave a little. Then this woman who cared about God and his temple and his work had two mites left and came and gave everything she had. And Jesus said, all these other people have given from their abundance. But this woman has given everything she had. I'm not trying to talk you into giving everything you have. I also won't talk you out of it. But that's not the point. I'm trying to let you know that what's precious to you becomes precious to God. Abraham didn't have three Isaacs. He had one Isaac. And he went to take, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him. And when he took what was precious to him, God, when the act of obedience, God said, Abraham, now you've crossed a line. I'm going to bless you. And make you great. And I'm going to tell you, from somebody that went from not being able to register their car, because I couldn't afford the 320 some bucks to get it fixed, to flying all over the country effortlessly, and all the things God's opened up for us. I'm telling you, if you will take what's precious to you, and sow it out of a heart of love for God, for the advancement of his kingdom, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of man what God has reserved for those who love him. And giving is an act of love. If you've never crossed that threshold before and given what's precious to you to the work of the Lord, try it. Sow it in faith. It's not, well, the church needs it. Don't give it divorced from faith. Well, I'm sure what they're, I like Jonathan and what they're doing. I'm sure it costs a lot of money, so I want to help. That's nice, but that's not spiritual. Do it spiritually. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You should do it, Father, for the advancement of your kingdom. I sow this. And you said, what's faith? Anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So faith, expect, say this out loud, faith expects a reward. So when you sow it, you should say, Father, because you said you're a rewarder. And because you said in faith, I'm to expect a reward. Jesus focused Peter's faith on the fish that he was unable to catch. 
Elijah focused the widow on the oil in the jar of meal. If it's wrong to teach people to expect a, a material return for what they give, then Jesus was out of line and Elijah was out of line. Thus saith the Lord, the jar of meal and the cruise of oil shall not fail until the rain falls and the crops begin to grow again. What are you believing God to do for you and your business? You can literally sow your way in the kingdom of God to another level. And God, like he did back in Mark chapter 12, looks to see what people, how people are giving. What is their motivation? What, is, what are they giving? You know, because people give small amounts. Like if you ever read, it's just funny to me. Like when they put on Twitter, Amazon has donated a million dollars to hurricane relief in Florida. Whoop-de-doo. A million dollars? You cl- I think Pastor Rodney's up, up at about five or 600,000 for hurricane relief. That he's, and he's not Amazon yet. People give the, you ever look when they publish what politicians have given to charity? They're experts at collecting other people's money for a cause. They give nothing. Some politicians, $300 in a year, $600. And that's what was going on in Mark chapter 12. It looks big to put $100 in the offering. But now when you have three seven-figure accounts at home, then one woman takes everything she has and gives it. And Jesus said, she outgave all of you. If you've never done that, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And those of you that are online, the online members of Revival Today Church, I want to thank you for your giving. RevivalToday.com. You have the envelopes in your seat. RevivalToday.com. And... uh, I was going to play a video testimony, but I talked too long. So there was a guy I met in Canada who gave his last 40 bucks to the ministry, and then it was just him and his wife and their kid went through the sky. But I'm going to, I'm going to get to the rest of the service. Lift your hand up before the Lord. You can hold your seat up before the Lord. If you're giving as a couple, like Adonis and I do, you can hold hands and lift that up before the Lord. Your seat is precious to God, and your seat is precious to me. I don't take it for granted. Father, every seed that's sown today in faith, I pray it would produce a hundredfold return, not metaphorically. I pray they would see a breaking forth in every area of their life financially. Thank you for taking what isn't enough and making it more than enough. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, your amen was weak. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2. Miss Claire, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have any tracks to sing a solo this morning. Sorry, I'm going like full, full bore Pentecostal this morning. No organization, off the cuff, swing from the, <laughs> shoot from the hip. You know, one time my dad sang a song. My grandfather was the pastor. How many of you ever heard my dad minister before? You know, he sings, so he sang this song. And the anointing hit the room. So my grandfather gets up and goes, sing it again. And it it wasn't like an easy song to sing. It was like, it was that John Starn song. You must have, (laughs) you must have that fire and Holy Ghost. By the way, if that hurt your ears, we'll be, God, we'll be praying for the deaf after the service. Amen. (laughs) You must have that fire and Holy Ghost. So my grandfather goes, sing it again. My dad sang it again. Had him sing it a third time. Had him sing it a fourth time. Whatever in a Pentecostal service, whatever the anointing hit on, they'd just stay on that thing. I'll give you time to get, get set up. How many, you don't need any time, huh? How many would like to hear Sister Clear let one rip? 
Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Habakkuk chapter 2. Verse 14. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. A lot of people talk about revival that have no business talking about revival. But if you study the book of Acts and you study church history, I like Habakkuk 2.14, that when revival hits, I told you Oral Roberts said in the 1950s it felt like healing was in the air. He says he didn't even have to do anything to get anybody healed. There's like a proliferation of God's presence in the earth. And the Bible says in the last days, that's why I get irritated when I hear people start giving the devil credit. Well, we're losing the nation. No, that's not scriptural. The Bible says in the last days, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Think of that. The glory of God, not there'll be a couple of drops. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And these last two weeks, I'm seeing the beginning of that. And I felt, I mean, I don't know how much I want to preach this morning about that. How many times did Satan tempt Jesus in the wilderness? How many temptations did he give him? Then after Jesus resisted the temptations by the word, the Bible says, and Satan left him alone for a season. Do you know you can come to a season where the devil leaves you alone? Did you know you can so shatter the devil's teeth personally that he says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, we don't mess with them, but who are you? Did you know you can do the same thing in a city? This church will tear down, not by picketing, not by any other physical thing. The, this church, as we win souls, heal the sick and cast out devils, every unclean power structure that's around Pittsburgh will get toppled, just like it did in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Think about it. Say with me, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Strong churches make a difference. Pastor Rodney's been on a tear having church every night for the last 900 days. They just finished the election there. No Democrat serving in any statewide office for the first time since Reconstruction. Miami went plus eight red. And you say, well, why are you against Democrats? Because we're against turning children from one gender to another for profit. That's why. And there's one party that, that for some reason wants to push that. I'm not against, I don't, if you're a Democrat, old school union, West Virginia Democrat, Joe Manchin, that, that's different. When I was growing up, there was no difference. Republicans and Democrats both believed that marriage should be between one man and a woman. No one believed in transgender ideology. And for some reason, there are people in that party that are trying to push demonic things into the country. Can you say amen? And I'm not for that. I'm not for that. You should know that when you come to this church. We are not for wickedness. And we're not for keeping our mouth shut about it so we don't lose five people that leave the church or stop giving or whatever. I don't care. It's wrong. And people are free to believe what they want, and I'll still be your friend. But this church stands for righteousness and holiness. And we stand for what the Bible, all these teachings that are controversial, they've only been controversial for eight years. In 2005, every church was a pro-life church. So what happened? You'd almost have to think it's that powerful delusion that the Bible says would come upon the earth in the last period of time. But how do you fight against that delusion? 
Bible. We take offerings from the Bible. We preach from the Bible because the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The Bible says you can do nothing against the truth, only for the truth. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, when they began to pray, the building where they were meeting was shaken. They were praying against the unclean powers that were coming against the church in Jerusalem. The building was shaken, and you go to Acts chapter 5, and they're laying the sick in the streets that perchance Peter's shadow might fall across it. In the Welsh revival, they disbanded the rugby teams for two years because no one was going to the games. The glory of the Lord. Revival brings an awareness and a hunger into a city. Did you know that Young Cho? Anybody ever heard, hear of Paul Young Cho, South Korea? He built the largest church in the world at the time. He went to heaven a year ago. Two million members. He, the Lord, he was praying one day and the Lord told him to spin a globe. He spun the globe. The Lord said, now put your finger and stop it. And when he stopped it, it stopped on Pensacola, Florida. This is in the early 90s. And the Lord spoke to him that revival will start in Pensacola and then it will come up the Mississippi River into the Ohio Riverbed and settle in the Wheeling, Pittsburgh, northern West Virginia area. Somebody just sent that to me, him prophesying that. And I'm not saying it's only our church. I've never said that since we started the church. There's many good people in this city, many. There's many great pastors. Churches couldn't be, if we ended up with 3,000 people, I hope we're the smallest church in Pittsburgh. If every church was running 10,000 people a Sunday and we were at 3,000, there'd be nobody happier than me. I'd send them an offering. This is not us against, I got enough things to fight in the unclean world. I'm rooting for every pastor to have the best year they've ever had in this city. There's plenty of souls to go around. I'm not fighting over the same church people. Get people saved. Lift your hands if you were unsaved in January of this year and came to, to the Lord and plugged in this church, last year at this time, you were going to hell. Put your hand up high. So there's some. We baptized 40-some last time. So that's who I'm going for. And then obviously other church people are welcome to come. It's a different time. People, people went to a church their whole life. It closed down, went woke, supported rioting. There was a sifting of the tares and wheat. But I'm rooting for everybody to recover. Can you say amen? Now, having said that, they broke in that prayer in Acts chapter 4 until the glory of the Lord was following Peter around on the streets. Not in the service. They would lay the sick on the sidewalk that perhaps Peter's shadow might fall across them. Say this out loud. You can drive Satan out of your life. Say this. You can drive the devil out of a city. You can drive the devil out of a nation. And that's when revival hits. I was listening in Nigeria when that revival hit. Paul Nietzsche said, and he was preaching this in America as if Americans didn't know what he was talking about. He said, there was a day in Nigeria where if there was a big soccer match on, they would cancel church or they would even bring the TV into the church so you could watch soccer. And he said, now that the revival's hit in Nigeria, the soccer federation... Make sure not to schedule any games for Sunday or no one will watch. 
And I'm telling you, before we get out of here and go to heaven, the NFL will rue the day they made Sunday game day because those stadiums will be used and packed with people hearing the word of God. Miracles. Now, you're about to hear a long line of testimonies of miracles. But before, uh, can you imagine the day where Heinz Stadium is full and we go to take testimonies, and the testimonies take three hours with no person allowed to go more than 30 seconds. I'm talking three hours of just one person after another. Lung cancer, stage four, now healed. Next. I was blind in my right eye. Power of God hit me on Tuesday night, opened my eye. Next. One thing after another like that. I am telling you, and you think I'm nuts or think whatever you want, but just remember, I have a necktie on. So you should listen to what I'm saying. These stadiums and arenas, my Uncle Ted called me out of the blue and said, how much longer do the Penguins have on their lease on that place? I said, you know, out of all the things I've done this week, that was not one of the things I checked. <laughs> he said, you should check how long they have on that lease, whether it's 18 years or whatever, and start setting your faith like John Osteen did, that when their lease is up on that and they go to get a new auditorium to make that your church. That's, now, that's going to be the kind of things that happen. These brand new hockey arenas and baseball stadiums and football stadiums, they think they built them for sports. But God used the wealth of wicked companies to erect state-of-the-art houses to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and see the demonstration of God's power. How many of you believe that with me? All right. I'm going to play the first testimony, and then I'm going to have Sister Claire sing. So Sunday morning we had that one testimony. Then I come down to Florida that night. Check this one out. Go ahead and roll it, guys. Watch this. Let it build your faith. Her name's Tanya. Media team, it's the arrow. My name's that looks Tanya like Smith, and I'm from Sarasota, Florida. And I'm excited to share my testimony with you tonight because I know this was ordained by the Lord. Um, I, uh, I was born with muscular dystrophy, a rare form. There's 43 different forms. Um, and mitochondrial disease, which is a genetic defect in every cell of your body. And it progressively gets worse with age. And about 10 years ago, I became dependent on a wheelchair um, because using any energy, I would get so physically sick. And then fast forward four years ago, I was so sick that I was totally bedbound. Um, I couldn't stand up. When I did, my blood would pool in my feet, autonomic dysfunction. Um, I was in a wheelchair that would hold me up laterally and also with a headpiece to hold my head up. Um, so on IV fluids every day, also life-sustaining medication for organ function. So I really thought that this was the end. And pain, lots of pain, 24 hours a day with no end in sight. Um, so... Four years, I'm praying, you know, uh, don't know how to get out of this that I'm in. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm a Bible college graduate. I started to pray because I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't sit up for more than a couple minutes or stand for more than a couple minutes. And I said, Lord, show me the way to my healing because I can't believe that you would just pick and choose some people to be healed and not others. It doesn't make any sense to me, right? So... Um, I said, Lord, show me the way and show me in such a way that I can share my testimonies that others might be able to get to that same place of wholeness and healing. And um, <laughs> I turned on Daystar on my husband's day off and we're watching and Jonathan came on. And when he came on, 
it ignited my spirit and my faith in such a way that I knew that I was hearing the message in a different way, in a new way that I hadn't heard before. It wasn't as the world preaches, but as God, <laughs> thank you. But as God's word teaches, right? And Jonathan showed me that, you know, it's not, um, oh, well, if it's God's will, it is God's will for me to be well. I have been healed. So, so I started praying a little differently and I started telling myself, I have been healed. I am healed. I am whole. And I kept putting God's word in and I started listening to Jonathan's teaching every day and every night because I could not get enough because I knew that there was truth in the way that he was preaching. And so I said, you know, my body, all of a sudden my body started to line up. I started getting stronger and I noticed that um, one day I was standing up in the kitchen for more than like three minutes and I was like, this is new. Like, I don't have to go sit down. This is great. And um, so I came across Jonathan on Daystart in August, beginning of August. So the beginning of September, I started to get some strength and it was up after my bed, sick bed. So, um, so August, so September, um, sick September 19th it was, I went to my muscular dystrophy clinic appointment because I've been a muscular dystrophy patient for years and years, and I've gone to the same clinic for 16 years and progressively gotten weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker. And, you know, there is no cure by man. Um, so it was really a death sentence. I had made out my will. Um, I was that horribly sick. And um, when I went in, I knew that I had gained some strength, but I didn't expect what was coming because the occupational therapist came in. You see a team of people. She checked my shoulders and my hips, which were always weak, and she said, they're five plus. And I said, I don't know what that means. I never heard five plus. That's perfect muscle strength. Thank you. I left out that I was also on a ventilator <laughs> because my diaphragm was so weak that I couldn't take in enough oxygen and I was being poisoned by CO2. So not only IV fluids in a wheelchair, but on a ventilator. Um, so the respiratory team comes in and they do their tests and they said, your respiratory function is above anything that we can imagine. Wow. We're <laughs> they said... They said, we are going to recommend that your doctor take you off your ventilator. Is that okay with you? I said, yes, absolutely. So they, um, they send the doctor in. She does all of her tests with my legs and all my other function and says, everything is five plus. We sat there with so much joy on our face. I said, Jesus, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know who was in the service with her? Her caretaker. Not a Christian. Wanted to see what happened. Impossible. But where things are impossible with man, never with God. For with God, all things are possible. Before you sit back down, be careful to obey. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your children. Tell your children the things that I've done. I heard these stories 
when I was five and six and it got me drunk on me, me serving a great God who was able to answer anything I would ask. Can you say amen? I know this isn't a normal Sunday morning, but you know what? If God does like six generational miracles in one week, we should just take a Sunday and celebrate God and celebrate his mighty works that it would be, as it were, days of heaven on the earth. From now through next December, these are going to be days of heaven on earth in Jesus' name. Guys, I, I want you to get ready. He's a miracle-working God for the end. I'll give you a little break. You can have some water and not pass away. Play the next testimony. You can be seated. I'm here in Northport, and uh, it's been... About 13, 14 years. I Mailman, never been to church. And then because of that miracle, see, miracles change things. Then people start getting, you start having decades of church with no miracles. You grow up in a church, you go every Sunday for 15 years, you never see anything close to a miracle. It starts to, without knowing it, deaden your faith. You don't think this stuff's real. It's like a storybook. How I many know all those years ago Jesus did those things? One day we'll be in heaven. He'll do it again. You don't have any expectation for current things. Jesus did not do mighty works, then go away and the works went with him. He said the same work that you see me do, you shall do and greater. Miracles are the calling card of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said miracles are the calling card of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Miracles are the busting of the devil's head off of somebody's life. They're not yours. Can you say amen? So this guy's a mailman, bent over like this. I'm not exaggerating. Walked like this. Back busted. Bunch of surgeries. So the one guy sees his, this miracle and tells his mailman, you need to get to church. And he gets... Well, let him, let him tell you. Two guys dressed like if Florida was a man. It's been about 13, 14 years. I've had many multiple back surgeries, and I couldn't stand up straight. I literally I was walking like this, as I did last night when I got here. And uh, I woke up this morning at 522. Man. Yeah. Yeah. and got up made coffee and I, I I always told my my wife if I woke up and I didn't feel pain I was dead and uh, it, it, it it was awesome it, it, it actually feels weird not to be in pain and and I mean if you you try to deny it, don't deny it. Just keep the faith, stay with God, and, and he is, he's great. Because I, I, thought, I thought maybe I was being punished for my past, something I did, and don't. don't. Enemy works by deception. What, what was the first lady? Um, it's not God's will to heal everybody. This guy, I'm being punished for my past. You don't earn your healing. You don't get to love, you're not a video game character in God's world. And when you hit 30, level 31, you unlock healing. What an awful church analogy. Keep playing. Don't think it. Put your faith in God. 
and keep your feet moving forward. Thank you. You said he was on, you were on a roof today? Come up, come up quickly. You look like you can get up here quick. No, go, go the other way or you have to hop the chair. Let me hear the rest of the story. <laughs> Folks, y'all know this is the real deal. This man would bring my mail, and I love him. He's the greatest guy in the world. I avoided him for a long time because we're going to get real close if we knew each other. We're here right now. I didn't give up on him. He did. He annoyed me. He was like a stalker <laughs> with the mail. His wife's right there. She knows. I'm not lying. You can't fake this. You can't make this up. Bad back. Bad, bad, back. bad back. Turn around. Bad back? Bad back? He's all right. I'm going to say this. I needed help. You don't know this. And it's okay because God's taking care of it. My wife and I lost our whole home. But I'm like, I don't like my home. It's stuff. I have me. I have my wife. I have my mailman. But I'm going to say this. This man was up on my roof today with me, and I thought I was crazy being up there because I almost fell off the side. He was doing more work than I was. And I looked at him, and he doesn't know this, but I said, Lord Jesus, look at him. Look at him. He's different. Not only is he different, but God healed him here last night. And this is the real God healing a real man. You can't deny that. Hope it never happens again. Now, do you notice that these guys, they're not preachers, but when you, when you have, the Bible says that I may know him, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's one thing to talk about something you've heard about. I heard this restaurant's good. It's another thing when you've been to there and eaten it and it blew your socks off. Listen, drop everything you're doing. You must go to this restaurant. So that guy's preaching better than preachers. This is the real God. There's no way this can happen. Play the next one. This is all in the last I'm six Cody years. Abbott. I'm from the area. So, um, my son's back there in the sound booth. He told me years ago he was touched by the Holy Spirit and slain, and I didn't believe in that stuff. But that's happened to me in this church. Now I know it's a fact. It, it's real. I felt it. I, 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 I didn't want the feeling to wear off. Well, I've had a problem with my eye, had a problem with my eye, um, four surgeries, trying to heal a detached retina, went and saw a doctor that was recommended by a friend because my doctor gave up on it, and he said he couldn't do anything, went to another doctor, got my fifth surgery, um, still couldn't see out of it, uh, last night, Most of these, a lot of times, people say that they just take advantage of weak-minded people and get them stirred up emotionally. I would like someone to go tell him that, and then they'll be in my healing line for a shattered rib cage. You think that guy's lying? Keep playing. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, my wife was wearing a black shirt that had holes in the sleeve. They were supposed to be there. <laughs> And I looked at her and said, I can see all those holes, and um, I can see the plaids on his jacket. <laughs> so, um, 
I didn't mean to doubt God because I don't doubt him. I've learned not to. But I closed my right eye while you were still talking and praying, and I started walking through the rows because I could <laughs> of the chairs. So that's what happened to me last night. Um, Before you go, so you said detached retina for how long? How long had you had problems with that eye? I was just at work. I was at work with uh, my, my boys work with me, um, run the job sites and stuff, and Tanner was in the house, and I was bent over working on something, and it, it, I noticed it right away. It just went dark on that side. And I looked up, Tanner said something to me. I looked up at him and went, whoa. I gotta go, and I just covered my eye and left. It's kind of like that, wasn't it? And that's when it started. It just detached, but it just went pitch black instantly. Um, and when the eye doctor looked at it, they said that it, it loosened and the flap of the retina fell over and blinded me. So what they do is they make an incision in your eyeball and they go in and they fix. I, I had scar tissue, and this, up until last night, when I'd blink, I could feel that, that thick scar tissue. I don't feel it at all. I, <laughs> Was there one more? My name is John Patty, and I go by Brown. It's my nickname I've had since I was five. Because I have olive skin, and I tan real easy. <laughs> If you can't tell. <laughs> Been kissed by the sun. <laughs> but um, he didn't, I've never talked to this gentleman before. And he walked up and knew that there was something wrong with my heart. Lift both hands. Now that you lifted both hands, just take one and put it on your heart. You look stronger and healthier than me, then I'm sure you are. But the Lord's going to strengthen your heart right now. And I, I, mean your, I mean your physical heart, not your spiritual heart. The five ventricles and the muscle. In Jesus' name. Underneath that hand goes the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. Give you a break. I've had four heart attacks, nine stents, two open-heart surgeries. I've died twice, and they brought me back to life. Good Lord said my condo wasn't ready. So I have to stay. But I got to tell you that this is the second miracle being in this church. Him giving me, Jonathan, giving me a new heart. And, well, you work very well through him. You work very well through him. And there, when I, it was the beginning of this year, my wife started going to the women's ministry or the Bible study. All the women there were praying for me because I had a blockage. They wanted to do an operation because I had 90% block or 80% blockage in my heart. And I didn't want them to do it because they tried killing me the first time they tried doing that, putting in a stamp. And so the girls all prayed for me. And then one of them had their son pray for me out in front of the church one night. And this little boy, I don't know his name, Wyatt, came up to me and punched me in my chest. 
and told the devil to get out of that blockage. And I never had that operation. Never had to have the operation. It was all clear, it's gone. And when I got through last night, when you touched me, it felt like when they gave me the injection with the stuff to go through to see what the arteries were blocked. It just all ran through, just hot as it could be. Seeing it was all clear, the heart was fixed. You can tell the difference I can tell the difference. That I don't have any more cramping in my back where I used to have my heart attacks and stuff. And the lower part of my heart was like a callus and it's beating fine. My wife took my blood pressure today. She's a nurse and she kept taking care of me. But uh, no, we've been checking it and stuff and it runs a lot better today. Thank you. One more. Well, first I was living like a heathen. <laughs> was chasing a girl into, this me into these meetings. My Remind name is Mary Malone. And, okay. and this is my sister, Elena Furlan. I got married two and a half years ago in Pennsylvania, stayed in America because I was married now, so I couldn't go back to Switzerland. I grew up with her my whole life. She's five years older than me, and she was always in the hospital. Because since birth, she had a heart, um, a hole in her heart. So when she was five, she had an open heart surgery. And then 25 years later, she had another open heart surgery. And um, for years since we got saved, we agreed, we prayed for a miracle. We went to many revival meetings. So, and it didn't happen. The heart didn't work. Okay, heart deficiency. It didn't work more than 35% on one side and 30, 37% on the other side for years and it got worse so in May she had a stroke because the blood there was blood cloth developing and because the heart was not doing right and we have all the papers here in English that's the other weird thing we ask him to write everything in English down so she can travel because we didn't believe that the doctors will allow her to travel but the doctors gave the okay with the whole paper so she came with a lot of medication fact I brought her here yesterday you saw what happened yesterday he called her out he doesn't know the story of her he doesn't know anything so he said two things she has 30 30 35 percent working in her lungs her lungs are also not good. And her heart needed a miracle. They told her if they do another surgery, she will not make it. So that's why they didn't want to make another surgery because they believed she will not make it. So they gave her a lot of medication to just add a few years. So yesterday she came, he said, there's something in you, in you that will be healed, that needs healing. But there's something else, a miracle, something that needs to be created. Tell your sister to put her hand on her belly and to put the other one on her chest. The Lord's going to heal you on the inside, and then he's going to give you a miracle. So one thing needs healed, the other thing needs created. 
And that's why I got touched because I know the whole detailed story. He didn't. That's why I got touched when he said specifically to do these two things. I knew he, her lungs need to be healed, but the heart needs a miracle. They, they told they don't give her more than 10 years. So she's 51. So, and yesterday she received that miracle. And this morning I said, is there anything you couldn't do before? And she said, yeah, I went up the stairs and I didn't really breathe, really, like. <laughs> so <laughs> when she told me, you know, I still don't want to believe, but I want to believe, you know, like. So I said, okay, let's do now. Go up again. I want to see. Go up once, twice. I want to see. Can you do more than one? So she did two, two times. And she was breathing like I would breathe too when I go up twice. So it was, yes, praise the Lord. How many feel faith building in your spirit? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and? Testimonies are proof that Jesus is, when you see new Cadillacs on the road, you know Cadillac has not folded as a company. When you see fresh miracles, you know that God is the same as he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he'll never change. I apologize for everybody that said to John, well, Jonathan, he put his hand on me, and you gave. People talk like that. That's why I corrected that one guy, because it's a good way to die, is to take the glory that belongs to God. I hope you know I'm not playing these, so you can see my highlight reel of my ministry and how the Lord uses me. I'm showing you this to build faith in you, because every time I go on the road and I see this stuff happen, my heart is for my church, our church, Revival Today Church. I want every person to leave here today. If you're like them with organ decay, problems, uh, like, like she was born with trouble. I'm showing you, and you saw those guys, some of them were new to church. The one big guy with the long hair didn't even believe in, in the Holy Spirit stuff. Amazing how the devil, if you are going to start going to church and he realizes you're not going to serve him anymore. It's like he switches gears. Okay, fine. But go to some church that doesn't believe in the power of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. In the last days, Timothy, they will have a form of godliness, but deny or reject the power that would make them godly. Have nothing to do. Isn't it interesting how it's all the same power? So this... The power gives that guy a new eye. No one had to invite him to come back to church. He was at every meeting till midnight. Those meetings ran until midnight. I laid hands on 11, about 1,000 people the final night. No one moved. People get hungry because they're not getting impacted. It's not like there's the Bible and Christian living and then miracles or the icing on the cake. This is birthed out of the life of God. This Bible carries God's life in its pages. Why do you think every totalitarian, totalitarian government has to focus their energy to ban one book? Because if you read this, let alone if somebody preaches it to you, I promise you, unless Jesus personally tells me not to, as soon as North Korea opens up for meetings, I'm going to charter a plane and be there because it'll take a week or so before uh, commercial flights start going there. I will be there doing a crusade to have a fresh group of people that have never heard the gospel 
I'll just go over and get a hiring interpreter and let it rip. Because when you hear this, my words are life. You're leaving out of here today with a miracle in Jesus' name. Even if you don't want one, you've sat here too long in Jesus' name. If you believe that with me, can you say amen? Now, just sitting in the auditorium, then we get this text message. This person was never even prayed for. Let me see the text message. Her brain surgeon, so this is the text I got from the pastor's wife. Her brain surgeon called and canceled radiation on the brain tomorrow. The tumors have miraculously shrunk a great deal. Thank you for prayers. Let Jonathan know we thank him. I'm sure he lifted her up last night also. Uh, let me see the next one. Oh, yeah. Then there's, so there's a lady in the meeting going in to get radiation on her brain tumors. When she went in, they had shrunk so much. They said, we don't think you need it. It looks like they're going in the other direction. Breakthroughs and turnarounds. If the cancer is going in this direction, turns around and goes in this direction. Everybody said the tide is turned. Now, I've told you I believe that the United Nations is going to relocate out of New York to another country, which will be a sign that that globalist, antichrist spirit has been thoroughly whipped in this nation. We are coming into an open heaven in America. Pittsburgh will lead the way in it. This church will have a great part in this last day move of God. We're not waiting for a revival sometime off. 11.59 a.m. November 13th, 2022 is the beginning of something great in your life and in this city in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? All right, let me see the other one that got sent in. Lubbock, Texas or whatever. You had it up. I'm writing this to you because I don't have a direct email for Jonathan. Laura Lane flew in from Lubbock, Texas with her husband and family. Anyway, there was a little confusion when Jonathan went to see them to lay hands on her, but as God would have it, healing took place anyway. Yeah, people, you know, when you go pray for a thousand people, you can't stop and ask every person what they want prayer for, but it's just your faith that latches onto it. Anyway, there was a little confusion when uh, the healing took place anyway. Laura had an early appointment for an MRI prior to having another, yeah, this is still the same one. So they flew in from Texas prior to having another radiation therapy on her brain tumor. The brain surgeon called and canceled radiation because the tumors have shrunk considerably. Praise the Lord. Thank you. The ministry, please pass our thanks to Jonathan. As well, we reached out on Twitter, but want to make sure Jonathan got a more personal update. Brain cancer destroyed, where the surgery's canceled. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Lift both hands to God. Say this out loud. Now it's my turn. Before I pray for everybody that's in this place today, I want to read this to you out of the book of Acts, chapter 2. After the power of the Holy Spirit fell, Peter began to preach. And the Bible says, Peter's words, Acts 2.37, pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those that are afar off, even everyone who has been called by the Lord our God. Your first, the doorway into God's power is becoming his child. You must be born again. 
Satan has a kingdom. If you belong to that kingdom, he can harass you with sickness, depression, death, at will. But if you come out of his kingdom and come into God's kingdom, the Bible says in John, the evil one touches them not, for he holds them securely in his right hand. I want to call to every person before I pray for miracles and the power of God that's in this place right now breaks loose. I want to get you where it's not a blip on the radar and you go back and lose it. Satan will leave you alone if I'm around. But after I leave, if you're not in covenant with God, he can come right back. I want you to be born again. I want you to lay your head on your pillow tonight and know that your sins are all forgiven, that there's not one thing separating you from God. Get in on this last day revival. Jesus is coming soon. You don't want to be left behind for the tribulation. Global rule. The worst seven-year period the world has ever known. Jesus paid a high price for you to get out of this earth and make heaven your home. Hell is not for you. Hell was created for Satan and his demons. And I don't care how bad you lived before this morning. Neither does God. There's no sin you've committed that the blood of Jesus will not erase. But you have to repent. What did Peter say? I'm preaching to you what Peter said. Each of you. You can't repent as a group. America needs to repent. Nations can't. That's not how it works. Every man is responsible for his own life. Every woman is responsible for her own life. My dad's a preacher. I told you that. My grandfather is a great preacher. But God doesn't have any grandchildren or great-grandchildren. I had to come to know the Lord myself. And oh, am I glad that I did. We used to sing a song growing up in church. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And tells me I am his own. It's wonderful to know the Lord. It's wonderful instead of having depression following you around. To have joy overflowing from your inside. Happy when you're not trying to be. Happy when you're not supposed to be. A wellspring of joy that never runs dry. My friend in the navy blue that's been my friend a long time. I met you at prayer and fasting, I think, the one time. Slip out into the aisle. Power of God's all over you. Put both hands on the where your sternum is. In Jesus' mighty name. Power of God was rocking you while I was talking. Jesus is touching you. Jesus is strengthening your body. He's here right now. Wherever two or three are gathered in my midst, I'm there. Be healed. In Jesus' name. Be supernaturally strengthened. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands all over this place before I even give the salvation altar call. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing your work. All the ground that Catherine Kuhlman plowed up in this place, let those wells flow freely. In Jesus' name. I curse every cancer in the sound of my voice. You foul disease from hell. Jesus took stripes on his back to destroy you. Every man and woman suffering with that disease here and watching in their homes, in your car, I command those same way, that same power that shrunk those tumors in Northport, Florida. Destroy every tumor. Root out every cell of cancer and blood like leukemia. In Jesus' name. 
Every person that has organ trouble, like that person had a hole in their heart, your organs don't function right. They're not at the right capacity. Maybe like them. You, you were born with it. That's just something that's my, my heart problem. I like how that guy said, I have eye problems. I had eye problems. You had it. You have it when you came in. You're going to say, I had it when you leave out those exit doors in Jesus' name. Every organ in the sound of my voice, I command you to work. I command you to work like God created you to work. Father, you told me to start this church. You got me into this. So now that the people have come, do what I can't do, but that you heal people from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Let the life of God come in everybody. Mondo riki astandi arabo rindi arabo stede indiamoto brakandi arabo stodo Charge this atmosphere with your presence. Let heaven follow us from this meeting. Let Pittsburgh be rocked by the power of God these next 13 and a half months. We thank you for all you've done. I plan to have 180 people by this point in the year, Lord. And you, you, you did this. You're a great God. You're a wonderful God. Thank you for calling me into the ministry. Thank you once you called me for going with me in the ministry and helping me. You are tremendous. I worship you. I glorify you. Great are you, Lord, worthy of praise. Let people know you like I know you. All the young men that are here, let them know you today like me, like I, like you did for me when I was a kid. That they know this isn't like religious fancy talk, that you're alive. Let them have an encounter with you on this astroturf that changes their life. In Jesus' name. Every oppression of the devil in the sound of my voice, clear out now. All of you, out. In Jesus' name, every one of you, now. In the name of Jesus Christ. I curse every wicked thing behind being done behind closed doors in this city. Wherever the source of the fentanyl is into Pittsburgh, I curse it this morning. I command it to dry up at the root. Father, break the head of whatever demon has been assigned to this city and let your glory prevail in Jesus' name. I expect to hear news this week of a massive breakthrough and turnaround in this city in Jesus' name. And I don't mean like a rainbow appeared at 11, 11 a.m. I'm talking like arrests. In Jesus' name, I curse every work of the devil in and around Allegheny County, in and around Beaver, in and around Washington County where I was born. Father, supernaturally begin to set people free this week 
in answer to our prayers. Let this church, thank you for the growth, let it balloon these next 50 days before December 31st in the Christmas season, in the middle of the ice and snow. Draw people in by the hundreds to get planted into the house of God. In Jesus' name, every young man, every young woman, every middle-aged man and woman like me, every older man and older woman that says, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, but I want to do it today. I want my sins forgiven. I want to know the Lord, not know religion, not know about God. I want to know God. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me because I'm on level ground with you. So let me see your hands. Awesome. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand and meant business with God, if you came together as friends or family, you can walk together. Come and join me on the touch line right now. In Jesus' name, come. Give them a hand clap as they come. Come. Those of you with more boldness, come first. It'll help those who are more timid. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. This is your day. This is your day. This church is here for you to rescue lost souls. You're not going to be lost anymore. Amen. Hey, look at you. Better than when I first met you. Anybody else before we pray? Amen. All right. Lift your hands all across the front. More, more. Woo! Me so happy. Lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, stupid devil. You lost a bunch of people again, you committed loser. You're going to lose thousands more in Jesus' name. In GA, more people. Hallelujah. The devil's in for a rough holiday season. I'm telling you right now. He's going to have a terrible Thanksgiving. He's going to have a terrible Christmas. Hallelujah. Your work is done. Lift both hands. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, give me your strength. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. Heaven is my home. I will not turn back in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Whatever the devil used before today to rope you into a life that you didn't want to live, pills, alcohol, depression, terrible thoughts in the middle of the night, whatever's from hell that's followed you around, it stays and dies at this altar. You are declared clean. Your sins are not only forgiven, you have been cleansed, not by water, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that flowed from Calvary. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. And amen. Go ahead and celebrate them. 
Welcome to the best family on earth. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.